awareness, ownership, and detachment. Hey folks, I am so excited. It is time for you to get ready to revolutionize your life and take control of your destiny with my first Friday Manifestation Power Hour. This is a game-changing event, and it won't cost you a thing. These free monthly power hours are all about tapping into the immense power of manifestation and unlocking your true potential and doing it in a group collective environment. Picture this. You'll be immersed in grounding experiences, guided through journaling sessions, and surrounded by a supportive community of like-minded individuals. And together, we'll help you discover the tools and techniques that you need to manifest abundance and fulfillment in every area of your life. Whether you're seeking personal growth, inspiration, or you just want to connect with other awesome people who are on the same wavelength, the Manifestation Power Hour has got you covered. And guess what? It happens on the first Friday of every month, so you can make it a regular part of your transformative journey. It's totally free, but you do have to register. So visit vickeryandco.com slash manifest together to grab your spot and send that link to all your friends. Bring them along. The more, the merrier. The next Manifestation Power Hour is August 4th. Sign up right now and get ready to manifest your wildest dreams. Folks, I'm excited about this week's episode. Do you ever feel like having all of the answers and knowing exactly what's coming next is the only way to feel safe? Yeah, so did this week's guest. But eventually, after a lot of burnout and reflection, Jessica Ely realized that the smart way wasn't always the best way for her. And in this conversation, we dive deep into what is normal. I mean, what the hell is normal anyway? It's totally subjective and dependent on the context. Jessica discovered that curiosity was her savior. So this is all about getting curious and figuring out what you need and want to be in any given moment in your life and leaning into that. It's about letting go of right and wrong and those thought patterns that sort of keep you stuck and repetitive. Join us as we explore Jessica's journey, her triumphs, and how she found her own path through, and hopefully you'll find a little inspiration and motivation for you as well. It's all about embracing who you are and finding out your own version of success. So let's get to it. You're listening to The Brave Files, where we share stories from people who've stepped out of fear and into bravery in every possible way. What we know for sure is that when we choose bravely, on purpose, we choose bigger, we win bigger, and it's contagious. It's our hope that these stories connect with you and encourage you to embrace bravery in every possible way, day after day. Together, we can build a movement that enriches both our lives and our communities. The Brave Files is brought to you by Vickery & Co., a success and leadership coaching firm dedicated to helping you build a life and a business that you are absolutely in love with. Vickery & Co. offers group programs, membership communities, one-on-one coaching, VIP days, corporate trainings, workshops, keynote speaking, and so much more. Visit vickeryandco.com to get all the details. Y'all, today's guest is a self-acclaimed overachiever. One of those, you know, gifted kids, a type A who 
experienced massive burnout. You may very well identify with that. Um, I was not a gifted kid, but I am an overachiever and a type A, and there's been plenty of burnout. Things didn't start to turn around for Jessica Ely until she learned to stop doing things the smart way and start doing things her way. And y'all know I am a rule breaker, so I am super here for this. Jessica is all about a sustainable and regenerative approach to growth and achievement, both for herself and her clients, well, and also her family. And she loves supporting highly logical, pragmatic people that make sense of and trust their intuition and deeper knowing. I love that. Highly logical and pragmatic. I do not think I am either of those things, just to be clear, <laughs> Jessica. That's <laughs> like, fine. I love you, but I don't think, <laughs> I think I'm your ideal client. <laughs> Welcome to the Brave Files. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> I cracked me up as I was writing it and reading it. I'm like, hmm. I don't know. I think people would say my intuition leads me to do things that no one thinks is logical, Mm -hmm. but it feels logical to me. Yes. And I think that's where I am now, right? Okay. Um, That is where I landed after, but like my natural inclination is still like my, my first knee jerk reaction is what is like the right thing? What is the logical thing? What, what does our left brain like? And only through years of like undoing that, do I now know like, okay, yeah. And that is not at all how this is going to go. And that is not at all the right answer, most likely. (laughs) So how did you get there? Um, I do hear this a lot from people, you know, we've been the overachiever. We've always been told to go harder, go harder, push more, do better. Um, And then I think you also have some neurodiverse yeah. stuff going on, yeah, right? Do, Which yeah. co- complicates all of this. So we can talk about that. But um, let's go back to that. Like being that kid, being that overachiever, what it meant to be a gifted child. And I'll tell you, I hear so much trauma from being a gifted child, yeah. which is so counterintuitive to what parents think they want for their kids. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because I wonder sometimes, like, especially maybe if you are, like, I'm an 80s baby, um, if you are of a older school generation, like, is it the trauma that made the giftedness or was the giftedness the trauma, right? And they're a little bit <laughs> cyclical um, from everything that I've seen, in part because like a lot of gifted kids just learn how to perform really well, right? And mm. and like how to present appropriately. And yes, like a really great memory helped me, right? I could, I looked smart because I could memorize things like instantly. Um, and, and, and I'm not going to like downplay, like I'm not, um, a bag of coal or anything, (laughs) but, uh, but, but like, I'm also not going to solve the world's problems here. And, and, but I identified so much with my giftedness because, you know, the school environment that I grew up in, it was not like present day Silicon Valley or like the private schools of Manhattan. It like, I was a big fish in a small pond. Okay. And so I was the smartest person by walking into the room from like, six years old on. And it became my identity to like always yeah. have to have the answers and always need to know what's coming next. And so kind of undoing that as an adult and letting myself start to have questions was tricky. Mm. That always needing to know what comes next. Mm-hmm. 
Let's take that apart just a little bit. Um, do you know where that came from? I mean, I think uh, one easy answer, I'll use easy in air quotes, is um, if you grow up in any kind of turbulent home, it's much easier okay. to navigate that if you can pick up on what's going to be coming, right? Um, anybody who's grown up in a less than emotionally healthy environment is probably hyper attuned to tone of voice and facial expression. And like these kinds of things are, were survival mechanisms. And like, I mean, now they make me good at my job, so I'm not going to knock it. But as a kid, um, you end up just really sensitive to those kinds of things. And, you know, it has its pluses and minuses for sure. It does. So you grew up in a turbulent home. Yeah. I mean, I think I grew up with parents who, um, like didn't have a ton of emotional intelligence and didn't know that they didn't have a ton of emotional intelligence and had their own baggage that they hadn't worked through. Um, And it was just kind of like a hurt people, hurt people kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know that I know anybody whose parents, anybody our age, I'm a little bit older than you. I'm a mid seventies baby, but um, whose parents were emotionally intelligent. I just don't think it was a thing. No, it wasn't. (laughs) Except somebody's somewhere. Somebody listening was like, no, my parents were very into, but how do you feel about it? I don't know. But I don't know anybody whose were, they were all just like, everybody was blinders on, do the thing, show up, do your job, get good grades, follow the rules and don't complain. Right. And I think that was, um, it's interesting because for a very long time, uh, I, I thought that like my husband grew up in like a super healthy environment and to be fair, it was much healthier than mine, but they were avoidant. Right. Yes. And my so, ex is the same way. So like now we talk about how, you know, anytime a feeling comes up, his immediate response is to like duck and run. Right. <laughs> um, and, and the thing is like on the surface that maybe looks healthier or that passes for healthier, but it's not like he has his own baggage that comes along with that kind of upbringing. Definitely not healthier to avoid. No. That just builds up and, and we become bitter and angry and yes. don't know how to communicate. I don't mean to throw shade at your husband. I'm just saying that's no, not true. a better way. Yeah, It, it just presents maybe normal, right? Because you're not like wearing all your emotions on your sleeve or or flying off the handle or something. And, uh, uh, until one day you do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, that's an interesting way to put it. It presents as, as quote unquote normal. And then we're like, okay, well, so what's normal? Yes. Um, because we get to define that. I'm having a lot of fun with that. We've been saying forever, you get to define what success means to you. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I come in and I say, you get to define what brave means to you because it means something different to each and every one of us. And even within each of us as an individual, what brave means to me minute by minute shifts. Yes, absolutely. Um, Sometimes actually parenting is the bravest thing I can do. And and sometimes it feels really brave. It's writing a book or it's starting a podcast or whatever, right? Like it's all self-defined. And I think normal is one of those words like wait wait a minute who got to decide yes what was normal yeah and is there room do you think for each of us 
to successfully decide what normal is for us and fuck everybody else? I mean, just I, normal is a contextual word, right? Yeah. I've been talking with friends about this because um, amongst my friend group, I'm one of the ones who has older kids. Um, I'm neurodivergent. Some of my kids are. And so I have a little bit more, like I'm a few years down that road, right? And some of my friends are just coming into this path with their kids. And we have talked about like, there is what is medically normal, right? Then there is like what socially we deem normal, which depends like where you are in the country or whether you are in the city versus the country. And like all these, that changes a lot. And then there's like what a psychologist would deem normal versus like maybe, um, a doctor or what your grandmother thinks is normal. Right. And those are, so it's contextual. And when we fail to look at it that way, then we just kind of like panic over perceived inadequacies that we haven't really like come to terms with like what is, but, but compared to what? Compared to what? Yes. I completely agree. I, I, Completely agree. Y'all really want to investigate that and and look at, you're right, like par- what part of the world are you in? What part of the country are you in? Who are you spending your time with? Um, and sometimes we have to step in and out of other people's normal for safety reasons and yeah. for protective reasons. Um, but just taking the time to know that and be aware of that instead of barreling in with what you think is normal and not being investigative. Yep. I think is a huge um, way to tap into that awareness that you mentioned, right? Like, oh, what does that look like for me? And what does that mean? All right. So in the intro, I said that you experienced massive burnout. Can you give us a little snapshot into what was happening in your life when burnout took over? Yeah. Um, So I moved away from home. I had met my husband when I was a senior in college and he was living in Wisconsin. I moved up here. Uh, and I got my bachelor's degree in seven semesters while working full time and getting married. And I don't recommend it. (laughs) Um, um, so, but I didn't know any different, right? Like I, I didn't have outside financial support. So it was like, no, you're paying your own rent. So you will work. Go fast. Yeah. Yeah. And you will go fast. Um, and, and so I just did what I had to do. Right. And I, in hindsight, what I have also realized is that I think for years and years, I attributed that to like those things that I just said, right? Like, oh, these are these boxes that anybody who hears that goes, that was probably not a great move for 20 something self. Um, But I think more so the burnout was probably a result of facing a lot of things that I hadn't been aware of up until that point, right? Like all these things that I had kind of ignored or, or that in my context were normal and not until I left the context of my family of origin, did I go, "Mm, maybe that's not the kind of normal that I want for myself. 
Um, maybe that's not how everybody gets raised. Maybe that's not what everybody's experience is like. And how did I actually perceive that? And what did my body actually store in living through all of that? And, and what are the consequences of, um, all of the upbringing that I had. And I think, you know, everybody goes through that, but I I had very little awareness initially and kind of came into a lot of awareness all at once. And it was all at the same time as like all these massive life things happening. And so I graduated from college and basically spent a year on a couch eating Haagen-Dazs and watching Ellen. I mean, that doesn't sound bad right now. It's not like the worst (laughs) thing I could have done. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. No. So it sounds like there was just a lot of overwhelm. Yes. As all of this information came in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Just a ton of awakening, right? I mean, college Mm. is a time anyways when like your horizons are broadened and, and you, um, see and understand things differently than you did before. Uh, And I think that was just particularly uh, like taxing on me. Right. And, and like I said, I had been a big fish in a small pond and now I go to UW, which is like a good school. It's not Harvard. And I am like just a run of the mill kid amongst 40,000 other kids who are bare minimum as smart as me. Right. And so just like all these, like this identity upheaval that I went through, I think was actually what caused my burnout. And it was easier mentally to be like, oh, you probably overdid it for a few years there. Yeah. Yeah. That is a really interesting moment when you go from being the big fish in a small pond to just an average fish. You're not a small fish in a big pond. You're just a regular sized fish, right? One of my children has experienced that and it really fucked with her um, in a a really big way. But she's also a self-described perfectionist, gifted kid, could read Harry Potter in kindergarten, right? Like insane. And, And that was, she's my oldest. That was my point of reference, for all the other kids. And I had to go, whoa, 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 whoa. that's not normal. Like 18 month old kids are not supposed to know the names of all the dinosaurs. <laughs> yes. That kind of thing. Exactly. Right. Like don't expect the other kids to do that. Cause that's the doctor was like, how she's not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, we have this whole culture shock. Okay. So the burnout hit hard when all of this awareness came in. Um, Talk about that moment where you're like, I'm, I'm always trying to do it the smart way. And I liked that you said it that way. You didn't say the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said the smart way. And we that's drilled into us. Yeah. Uh, work, work smarter, not harder. The smart way, the best way. I'd love for you to unpack what that means and then what shifting away from that was. So working smarter, I think kind of like you described with your daughter, if you have always been this way in air quotes, right? The, like uh, that you always had an answer that you always knew what was going on, that you, that people expected you to be excellent. If people expected you and, and in turn you expected you 
to be great at everything you touched. Um, there is then a right and wrong answer right, to, to everything, to, to business. The, I mean, the black and white thinking that I had to dismantle. And my husband is like all gray. He's, he, he has like one bar at the end that is black <laughs> and the other is white and everything else is gray for that man. And I was like, there's gray for like the 2% in the middle and that's it, you know. And it's That's reserved awesome. for very special circumstances. And so I went into to life, to business, to even motherhood initially um, with these ideas of, and it, all it is, is conditioning. It's deep, deep conditioning. This is right. Yeah. This is wrong. And and it just gets baked into you. Um, and the thing is, as long as that's serving you, Meaning, as long as I'm getting a 4.0 at school and everybody thinks I'm brilliant, there's no need to question that conditioning because it's working. Like, you are the best at everything and everybody loves you and is so impressed. And then all of a sudden, when it stops working, you start to say- Which it will, always. Always, yes, always. Um, You start to question, like, wait, but is that even actually what I think? Is that actually even true? And I think, you know, to be fair, um, living with a completely gray zoned kind of person helped me a lot because he questioned everything that I, I did that. and said, right? And, um, you know, initially there was just a lot of curiosity on his part, like, <laughs> what is this chick talking about? Yeah. Um, but I think... Like that curiosity of and noticing like, oh, other people are doing this differently and other people are having a different experience than I am. Um, and other people can go through the same thing and perceive it differently or other people can um, think about something differently. That curiosity saved me. Because it was the first thing that enabled me to be like, well, maybe it's not this or that. And if it's not this or that, then what else could be? And it kind of like opened up all the possibilities, right? And so like the smart way in, in business is like more money, whatever's more profitable, right? And in life, it's like, whatever keeps you up with the Joneses or whatever makes your kid more successful and like by whoever's definition. And, and as soon as we start to like be really curious about what it is we want, why we think what we think, um, what is even true for us right now, half the time I didn't even know like what it was that I was actually feeling, what it was that was actually true for me, right? And and being really willing to be honest about where it is that I was, was key to being able to construct a different idea of what could be, right? Yeah. But it takes a ton of capacity to even be able to look at what truly is and like not have dark corners where you leave the cobwebs. Mm. That's really lovely. I think that's really lovely. And I just, that you zeroed right in on the smart way is the smart way as long as it's working for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then when it stops working, 
you know, not everybody is curious. Um, some people, or maybe it's underlying, but unwilling, yes. unwilling to be curious um, because they feel like they know so fully it's got to be this way. I was cracking up your black and white. That was me and my ex, but reverse. Okay. Because I'm real gray. I'm like, uh, yeah, no, there are no right answers. There are no right ways. Like, mm. um, except for things like I used to <laughs> how to cut an apple. I can remember. And <laughs> yeah. my mom, when I was raised, it was like this. Was very, if any of my high school friends are listening, you are going to laugh at this because sometimes they'll just send me a message. Um, there's a right and a wrong way to fold towels. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and and I was like, it was like, she was be like, go back and fold the towels again. You did it wrong. And then, I don't know, at this point, it's probably about 15 years ago, I went to my mom's house and the towels were not folded that way. And I was like, what it, what's wrong with your towels? Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, well, they just didn't fit in the cabinet that way. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't get to do that because you told me that the towels had to be folded like this, um, which is funny because I think we we think our parents or our mentors or our leaders, because they show us how to do something that they think it's the only way to get things done because yes. they didn't use that language. She obviously didn't think that she just taught me to fold towels the way she liked to fold towels. And then when that didn't work, she shifted, but there was no conversation. Yes. And so bringing that conversation in as parents, as partners, as coaches, as, you know, business owners of, well, this is the way I've always done it. And this is the way that I like to do it. It feels good to me, but there could definitely be other options. Like we need to talk about that out loud. We need to say that part out loud. Yes. And what's interesting is what you just said about like, as soon as it stopped serving your mom to fold the towels one way, then she just changed and folded them another way. And this is true for all of us is that like, as long as our current MO is serving us for whatever results we want, then we'll keep doing that. But the more comfortable we get with like, oh, there are actually many ways to reach what it is we want, then the more we can play with, okay, well, how are we going to create that? But, you know, to your point about like some people are unwilling to be curious, like they don't have to be because the res- they're getting the result that they want, right? And that facilitates like staying put. It does. I was going to say they they might be getting what they want. And the towels are such a stupid example, but I cannot tell you for how long I shoved those towels into my linen closet, yep. folded all fluffy in that th- trifold <laughs> that looks pretty, but they didn't fit. Yes. They didn't fit. Um, but because it like it pained me to fold them twice over instead of three times over. Like it literally hurt. And so sometimes, I mean, that's t- we're talking about something so silly, but like it just never even occurs to people, even if they're in pain. Yes. That there's another way. But like even there, right? So what you were getting was some kind of maybe like allegiance to how your mom <laughs> know, right? folded the towel. At least I'm right? doing it right. Yeah. And, and, and right. I mean, that's the thing is it's often not like the pragmatic thing that you're getting. That's often what bring, brings people to me is like, they're not getting the pragmatic thing and they can't figure out why. And it's like, well, but what you were getting was like, well, at least I'm doing this the way that my mom said mm. to, right? Yeah. And there's some kind of like warm fuzzies <laughs> that I get for like being the good daughter or doing things the right way or being responsible or look at how hard I'm adulting because my towel stack is neater than yours. Like, <laughs> 
know, and, and I think that's the thing is like the awareness bit is not like it, it's not the pragmatic like here's what it what we're trying to get and are we getting it thing. Um, what we're getting is almost always something emotional that we think we need. We're getting to tick a box for somebody else or fulfill an identity that we think is key to ourselves. I didn't actually become successful in business until I stopped doing things the smart way, right? Because only then was I able to like really go. And, but like, if we don't have that awareness that, okay, I have a little bit of a thing around like, making my mom happy or being the smartest person in the room. Like we can't catch those places where we're just doing things because we think that's what makes sense rather than I'm doing things because this is actually what makes sense for me right now in this context and for my goals. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us about then switching from the smart way to your way and what that looked like for you, because now we know it's going to be different for everybody um, but what did it mean to you? So I think it's, it's kind of piggybacks off of what I just said is that like, I had to start to become way more fluid in how I was trying to get what it is that I wanted and even fluid in what it is that I wanted. Right. So Like I have four kids, my son, my youngest was born in the middle of the pandemic. And then we Mm -hmm. kept them all home and homeschooled for the year after and stuff. And like, I have a, I love to cook. I love making my family dinner. I love like that is meditative to me. I can stand there and chop onions all day. And in the middle of all of that chaos, what actually made sense was buying stacks of Amy's meals and teaching my kids that you crack the plastic open and you hit (laughs) the plus 30 second button nine times and then you can eat right and and like that was actually great for the time right because like they were fed they felt self-sufficient I didn't feel like they were eating nothing but animal crackers all day. And, and like for that context, it was right. And the ability to kind of always monitor, like, where am I? Do I have capacity right now to be thinking long-term and to say, how do I set myself up for what it is that I want? Or is this one of those times where like, we're taking life five minutes at a time or five weeks at a time. Right. And, and where am I right now that, oh, like, like a constant gauge on myself, not in like a neurotic, what needs to be fixed kind of way, but truly just an honest, where am I right now? And based on this, what can I do and what do I want? Right. And like that became the smart way because what is actually smart is momentum rather than like some kind of growth curve that is linear. Yeah. I love that. And I feel that that's actually part of my brave method, right? It's the three R's that reassessment, reframing and resilience. Like, wait, 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 where am I? What am I doing? Is this what I want to be doing? Am I getting the results that I want? How can I do it differently? Um, and, and it's a bit of a game. Different isn't always better. I'm going to do it different. We're going to see how that works. It might work for right now. It might not work tomorrow. Um, and I think that's what I'm hearing you say is the best way for you 
is going to be different all the time. Yes. You have to be willing to be fluid. Yes. May I ask um, what your neurodiverseness is? Uh, yeah. So, so at a minimum, I have ADHD. Um, the more that I read, study, learn, there is a possibility I could make a case for an autism diagnosis and pursuing that. Who knows? But there are definitely some quirks up yeah. there. It's it's interesting, and, and I've been talking to more and more women who are diagnosed autistic way later in life because yeah. women mask so well, and it does often show up as perfectionism. It yes. does often show up as high achieving, black and white thinking, right? Yeah. Um, not always. I'm not I'm not diagnosing you. If you're listening, I'm the, I'm not a doctor, but I see that a lot. Um, and sometimes the diagnosis is helpful, and sometimes it's not. It's not medically treatable. So it's more just in how you love your, yourself and care for yourself. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. But the ADHD thing. So my 17-year-old is diagnosed ADHD. And as I've been learning and supporting her, I'm like, oh, maybe. <laughs> 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 That's possible. <laughs> Connected some dots. Yeah. <laughs> TikTok. ADHD TikTok has taught me, I'm like, oh, yes, I do always have a basket of clean unfolded laundry in my house. <laughs> yes. And well, and it's interesting because uh, my husband is currently burnt out um, and he has wondered, right, do I have, he's like, maybe I have ADHD. And I'm like, no, you definitely do not. You have executive dysfunction because you have been going too hard for too long. Right. Yeah. And the minute that you take care of your nervous system or you like actually make yourself a whole human again, you will be just fine. Um, (laughs) But what's interesting about it is that even if he doesn't or, um, you know, half the people on TikTok do or don't have ADHD, the strategies are still helpful across the board. Yeah. Yeah. They really are. What are your favorite strategies for just survive? Because sometimes it's it's just massively too much. Yes, ADHD. Um, I won't lie that some of my strategies are hiring out the things that I that- know are not going to happen. Right? Um, no lie necessary. It, well, it took delegating. me. Yeah, I think this is one of those things, right? I grew up in a, both of my parents are German. They're like fastidious cleaners, very organized people. I was not, uh, Mm. still am not. And probably because it makes me want to stab my eyeballs out when I have to like fold tiny socks or something, right? Yep. And I think for years I resisted and it was like, oh, this is the kind of thing that I should be able to fix. This is this is a thing about myself that I should be able to improve. And to some extent, I can. And I am much better at a lot of things now than I was. Um, but I, that happened so slowly that I'm like, I, I'll be 287 before I can like really keep a house orderly. So I can either die on that hill trying to get there or I can just be like, hey, you're really great at this and I would like to pay you. <laughs> and yeah. you happen to enjoy the tiny socks. Or or you can live with the chaos. Yes. That's a choice too. Yes. 
Maybe yes. I decided I don't care that much. Yes. And for many things, that is also the answer, <laughs> right? Um, but I mean, in terms of strategies, I think maybe this is where the intuitive bits have come up is that so much of my day, my life, my business is run by me paying attention to not thoughts that I create, but thoughts that I receive. And the and feeling that difference between like, ooh, this is what my head thinks the to-do list should be. And ooh, here's a nudge that I just got to reach out to this person. And ooh, here is a nudge that I just got to um, go do this thing or the other thing, right? And, you know, everybody has a different comfort level or belief level in that, but nothing truly spectacular that I've ever created has not originated from a thought that I actually received, right? Mm. And trusting that like, nope, those nudges are always there and available to me. And like, I will have a nudge to go clean the kitchen now. And that will be when my kid comes in and like wants to talk to me about something, or I will have (laughs) a nudge to but make something at the, for dinner and then I have to go to the store because we're missing something and that's when I bump into somebody I haven't seen in forever, right? And like that kind of oh, serendipity. I cannot concoct the serendipity, right? And trusting that and leaning into that and being like, yeah, sorry, that is actually my master plan. My master plan is I am just going to listen all day to where I should go and what I should do and it will serve me well, sounds completely asinine to me 15 years ago. (laughs) And I just lean into it at this point. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And there are no mistakes, right? Although it's frustrating to be in the middle of making dinner. I'm like, oh my God, I totally, we're out of this ingredient. I got to go to the store and it's going to mess with the schedule. I love the idea of, um, Gosh, I wonder what magic is going to present because now I have to go to the store. I, are you able to tap into that like like all the time? Do you have no. that sort of magic gift? No, no. Okay. it's not all the time. No. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's not for my husband either when I call him and he's like, you started something and you now need me to pick up something, don't you? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, but, like, I see it often enough that I can always call myself back to this way of living. Right. And that doesn't mean that in the moment I don't grumble, but there is some kind of really deep knowing that says like, and there is a reason. Right. Mm. And I don't need to know it or understand it right now. Uh, And and the less that I need things to be a certain way, the more open that I can be to whatever experiences come my way. I love that. The less that I need to know things are going to happen a certain way, the more open you are yes. to what you receive. Yes. Yeah. That's, mm, I mean, that's great. Detachment, right? Of course. Detachment is, is it. Surrender, yes. untethering, yes. whatever you want to call it. All, all, all of those. It. How do you bring that or do you into your parenting? It has its moments. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes – yeah, sometimes my head is like, no, we can't have this conversation right now because it's 10 o'clock and you're supposed to be sleeping, right? And then I hear 
the smarter bit of me that says like, yeah, or, or you just lean into it and you let this conversation happen right now. Um, A lot of it is just seeing what unfolds in my kids rather than trying to give them a path and putting them in environments where there is less of a prescribed path and more, more gray, right? More opportunity for them to find and follow what makes sense to them. Um, lots of cultivating of curiosity, lots of me asking them, how does that feel in your body? And they're like, mom, not that again, right? I know mine too. They're not here for it. But uh, one day it's still, we're just layering. It's percolating, yeah. 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 I, but, you know, I have I have one who's super into it uh, who can find things immediately in her body and has been able to since she was like five. And then I have other kids who, who can't and don't want to, but they will ask me to like, uh, you know, zip them up in energetically and, uh, and, oh, and they'll cool. ask if I, if I check on them during the day, if they're having a hard day and things like that. Right. And so they oh, like, winning. yeah, like we, I, I throw all kinds of crap out there and just kind of see what sticks to their walls, yeah. right? And yeah. I try to let them throw as much crap at their walls and see what sticks. And, um, and like, they're not messing up and, and neither am I. Uh, as long as we're kind of all showing up for the process of helping them grow up and figure out who mm. they are. I really love that. We're not messing up as long as we're showing up for the process. Yes. Yeah. That's, that is lovely. Uh, I will tell you, these moments come few and far between, but I've been told they come more as your kids age. Uh, last, I did, when my kids were really little, I did this silly thing. They couldn't sleep or they were worried about something and we would talk about whatever it was and then I would say, okay, well, I'm going to give you magic mommy dust. And it's going to just help you be able to rest and let go of that thought. And I would sprinkle it. And my 17-year-old is babysitting. So she was putting her little two-year-old charge to bed. And she was wired and she couldn't sleep. And she said, well, I've got magic dust. Do you want some magic dust? It'll help you calm down. So she came. She goes, oh, mom, you saved my life. Like, I saved your life. How did I save your life? And she's like, oh, I, I got to use the magic mommy dust. And I'm like, oh, I mean, and that's a dumb thing, but I'm like, oh, no, I did a thing that you liked and now you use it. Yes. 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 Uh, It's (laughs) like things stick, right? And you never know what it's going to be that sticks. But um, I think like also trusting that whatever they need will stick. Yeah. And and being okay with everything else falling off. um, So that, like, I don't need them to get a certain thing from me. Yeah. And I don't need them to take away anything other than what actually serves them. That's a really profound thought. I've been um, sort of rebranding everything into the language of belong to yourself first. Yeah. And it showed up for me during uh, breathwork meditation. And I specifically was like, I always felt like I belonged to my mother. My parents were divorced. I belonged to her. I'm pretty sure she thought I belonged to her. It was a long time before I was able to be like, no, 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 my actions and behaviors aren't about you. And 
you don't need to own that, right? Because yeah. yes. I'm not an extension of you. Um, and I've known that going into parenting, but still, you know, they're, they're my kids and they're this, that, and letting go of, of all of that. But the language, I love that you're using that language because you're really empowering them to belong to themselves. You don't need them to do a certain thing or be a certain way or behave a certain way. And if we're saying that to them, what a freedom technique that is. I mean, we try, right? <laughs> um, but I will say, you know, like I was I was picking them up from school somewhere and, and all three of my girls are at the same school. And their administrator said to me, you know, your kids are just so authentically themselves. And I think it was maybe the best compliment I've ever yeah. been given, right? And yeah. and they're so different, right? I have one who's not the oldest who goes to school with a crop top and makeup every day. Uh-huh. And okay. I, and then I have like the nerdy one who like is a little bit anxious and has to do everything just right. And then I have like the glass clown one and 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 they just kind of show up how they are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because they can just own whatever it is they're feeling and wanting to express in the moment. I love that so much. And I love that you bring it to the world, to your kids, because they're bringing it to the world and to your clients. And it's just such a refreshing approach. And it isn't to say that you're the only one who does it. I do a similar kind of thing, but I feel a whole shift towards that of identifying your own normal, stepping into yourself, like all of the things we've been talking about. And it just... It gives me a lot of hope that we are not going to always be in this icky space that we're in. Um, and and maybe even that it's extra icky right now because to be super fucking cliched, it's like that butterfly, right? It's like that that caterpillar turns into full mush yeah. before it can become a butterfly. And maybe we're just in the mush. Yes. I've said to many people that, you know... I have a limited and obviously personal perspective on this, but the way that I perceive some of our social goings on is that so many people were so repressed and so, you know, falling in line for so long. And, and it's almost like they are in the phase that I was in in my early 20s when it like there's all this awareness now of things that were ignored or things that weren't addressed or things that were done or things that like places where people have not held had space held for them. Right. And places where people have not felt safe, even if you are like peak social safety. That doesn't mean that on a personal level, you have experienced that. And, and I think we're seeing like the, the backlash of everybody actually having enough space socially to be able to be angry, right. And to be able to, to have opinions and fly off the handle. And while that is also harmful to the people who are on the receiving end of that, if we zoom way, way out, you can almost see it as growth that like we're coming out of stupor. And the first place that we stepped into was addressing all of the crap that we have just pushed down for, I mean, probably literal millennia. 
right? Mm-hmm. And all the ways that we just fell in line. And now there is enough social support and, and structure and kind of um, space being held on a collective level that that can come out. And that is just uncomfortable. I don't love it when my kids yell at me, right? Um, <laughs> but but like, it's a thing and it needs yeah. out, right? And, yes. and like, let it out. I feel you on that. And that's my, my mom says, you know, sometimes you just, you just have to punish them. Sometimes you just have to tell them no. And I, I hear it in theory. Like sometimes you just have to be the parent because I've raised my kids to have a voice that is worth using and hearing. Yes. And it off, it often is sassy. It often mm-hmm. is yelling back. And, and we do have conversations about that's not probably the best way to get what you want from me. Right. Or it's not always kind. It doesn't feel good. Is that – was that your intention? Do you yeah. want to make me not feel good? Like, do you want it to be mean or do you want to get a result, right? How do we yeah. negotiate and communicate? But what you're trying to say is fair and valid. And yes. I'm here to hear it. And so, you know, I, I try not to go there too much with my parents. But with my community and with my friends, I would rather have kids that talk back or yell at me than have kids that are afraid to – speak up and stand up for themselves as adults. Yes. So yeah, let's do that now. Yes, exactly. Because I can work on you understanding that your behavior has a consequence. Mm -hmm. Um, I can show you that like what you were trying to get is X, Y, Z. And I will give that to you because I'm your mom and I'll put up with that. But some people won't. Right. Yeah. And so with that goal in mind, what are other ways, again, right, like not black and white, yelling (laughs) is one approach. You could also try writing it out or, right? And that is easier to teach than like, oh, you have all kinds of things going on inside that you are not actually letting come out. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, to me, that's worth celebrating. And that's a nice little segue. I just, I love it. I love the energy you're bringing into the world. Um, we're not, we don't have the answers, right? We're not, we can't predict. We can just do the best we can and then pivot and reframe and try again differently. And we're going to screw up as parents because human yep. um, and hope they forgive us later. I don't know what else to do, but all of that feels worth celebrating. And that's a, a staple question on the Brave Files is how do you celebrate success, whatever that is, work, personal, parenting, um, big or small? How do you like to celebrate? I think my celebrations are very uh, low-key <laughs> um, because Great. I think what when I celebrate or what that feels like is integration, right? When intellectually, I know that I'm working towards a way of thinking or a way of being. And when I feel that kind of like drop in and I'm like, ooh, that, like that is now just how I show up. Um, that's huge because you're never the same after that. You might forget or you might like do mm. something an old way, but you cannot unlearn that perspective. And and that is such like that expansion of your perspective and like 
how much, I don't know, beach you can take up looking out at the ocean and like where all the places are that you can stand and see from is one of the coolest things because you can connect to so many more people that way. So it's more like a a celebration of uh, like acknowledging that expansion yeah. of my own awareness. I love that. That's really beautiful. Absolutely counts. That's why I love this question because I love to hear all of the ways different people embody this and embody, I love that, embodying that awareness. It's beautiful. That's so cool. Um, as we wrap up, I also get to ask, and I love this question because I just think it's really important to sort of see where we are and support one another and show up for one another. What is your favorite charitable organization to support? Um, I have two. One is Charity Water. I used to run workshops that I called workshops for water and just everything went straight to them. Um, and the other is Trees for the Future. Um, fun fact, we get like a real live Christmas tree. We live in Wisconsin. And so that's right down the road for us and easy. Uh Um, Uh and my daughter found out one year that like that tree is dead now. Like we, we killed Uh that tree and she was crushed. And every year now she plants a few hundred trees when we go and chop down our one tree. Um, which also gives me some hope for future yeah. generations. Like oh, I love the that. kids are going to be all right. <laughs> the kids are going to be all right. I know I'm allergic to most real Christmas trees. Oh, it's a real bummer. Yeah, it is. It was really sad for my kids to have to give up going to pick out their Christmas tree, but me being miserable for six weeks was not the answer. <laughs> no. So, um, <laughs> You know, you got to sometimes reassess. I love that. So y'all, we will put the links in the show notes to Charity Water and Trees for the Future. And, you know, go check them out. Even if it's just following on social media, sharing, liking, if you have something to give, time or money, do that. But um, just like just like you said, Jessica, and I love like this is, this gives us a little hope for the future. The youth are doing it. We can bring it up. We can have conversations about it. And um, we really are just called, we are called to come together as a community, as a global community to elevate and make the world better. And this is how we, one of the ways that we can do it. So thank yes. you. Uh, Jessica, I love you. I think you're amazing. And I love the energy you're bringing in. Tell folks how they can contact you and follow along with all the cool stuff that you're doing. Yeah. So my website is jessicaelyelly.com. And I am most active on Instagram. If somebody is inclined to following me there, I am at I am Jess Ely. I love that. So go follow, like, you're going to love it. Um, I was just telling Jessica that I love her website. It's really beautiful. I have website envy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's amazing. Jessica, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you very much for having me. That was so awesome. I love Jessica. I love this conversation. I love this um, reminder to lean into your body, to trust that all of the things happening are happening for you, not to you, that the universe has a bigger plan, right? Um, Don't do it the smart way. Do it your way. That's what I'm talking about all the time. You guys, we're breaking the fucking rules. We're breaking the rules. We're belonging to ourselves. It is so beautiful. And I really love how we sort of unexpectedly got into how we're applying this as parents and Jessica's approach with her kids. And um, I I hope y'all loved it as much as I did. Go follow Jessica. If you like the episode, be sure to let me know. 
You can send a DM on Instagram at the Brave Files Podcast or rate and review us. That would be awesome. If you like any of the free content that I'm putting out, whether it's this podcast, my sister podcast, Was It Chance, or my weekly live show, Brave in Action, which happens every single Thursday at 11 a.m. Central, you can let me know that it's connecting, it's lighting you up, it's it's giving you some inspiration, even if it's just a little joy by saying thanks and maybe buying my coffee for the week. The way to do that is to visit vickeryandco.com slash say thanks. Any amount you want to contribute in a tip, buy my coffee is so greatly appreciated. It's just that little nudge that I need to be reminded that this work is powerful and empowering and you want more of it. Again, that's vickeryandco.com slash say thanks. And if you thank me, I'm going to thank you. That's how this works. I will be sure to give you lots of love either in the newsletter, on the podcast, or in the live show. Thank you so much for being here, for supporting me, for supporting this work. My name is Heather Vickery, and I am reminding you today and every single day to go out and choose bravely. Until next time, bye. You've been listening to The Brave Files, stories of people living courageously. Visit us at thebravefilespodcast.com to learn more about the show, find our show notes, and access full episode transcripts. And we'd love to know what you think of the show. We invite you to connect with us via Instagram and send a DM You'll find us at the Brave Files podcast on Instagram. Our music was created and produced in a custom collaboration with Matt Lewis from ML Creative Consulting, a boutique firm dedicated to helping clients identify their unique sound and amplify their brand with custom delivered soundtracks. Special thanks to everyone on Team Brave from our audio engineer to our producers, associate producers, copy editors, writers, and support team. The show wouldn't exist without them, and we are eternally grateful. I'm your host and executive producer, Heather Vickery. Thanks for tuning in.